Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Evening, Alex. Yeah, I'm doing really well. So I've been in another good week for, for City and I uh, guess it really now is that uh, the squeaky bum time. We get excited and have a, a lot of uh, cause for celebration, but uh, I guess the job is, is not done just yet, but it's a very uh, positive feeling around the camp at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a few weeks ago um, with yourself where we were talking about Maybe it was 11 games to go, 10 games to go, and we're saying it's going to come around quickly. Um, and all of a sudden, I think it's just the five games left uh, for us to play in the season um, with a bit of a gap starting to open up on third place, which is a bit exciting and, and, and we'll get to in a second, I guess. But um, we'll, we'll start with that Plymouth game. And um, I think I, I did look it up to see if it was confirmed. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the case that, uh, we heard before the match that the players had flown down for the game. It was going to be like a nine or 10 hour coach trip or something like that. And um, club spared no expense in getting the players down on, you know, flight for, for only an hour or two. Um, and I think you were sort of concerned before the game about what sort of impact that might have on the players. But I guess all doubts are sort of cast aside with a performance like that um, in a pretty terrific away performance. Yeah, indeed. And I, what, that was exactly what it was, a terrific away performance. And, yeah, I guess my concern uh, stemmed is, you know, a few of the, the lads were talking about with just sometimes when you come into these uh, really crucial uh, end-of-season games, if you change too much, sometimes it makes the occasion seem even bigger than what it is, if, if that makes sense. And so my concern was just having the flight to, to Plymouth, even though obviously the logistical uh, breeze uh, and it, it paid dividends, uh, just sometimes it can change the way the players think about, uh, you know, the, the game and approach it because perhaps the the nerves, um, you know, come out. And, and I do wonder if, if COVID has something to do with that, not really having to factor in crowds. I think mm. that way trips just, um, you know, don't seem to feel like they have the same uh, confronting element to them. Uh, and, and that might be unfair, but I think, you know, our city's away record. We are the, the team that's enjoyed the most uh, away days this season. And so, you know, we, we seem to really relish the, the chance of, of playing teams away, but also not really having the crowd to deal with. So, look, I was ha- happy to be uh, proven wrong and that seemed to be a masterstroke from management to, to fly, um, you know, City to Plymouth. And, uh, yeah, it was a, a great performance. Yeah, and look, it, a courtesy of um, Rick on Twitter, there's a couple of great stats. And you mentioned there the fact that away games aren't, aren't quite as daunting as they otherwise would be. But um, I believe it's now six games that we've won away from home by three goals or more, which is the all-time record. I think prior to this season, the the record was three times back in 1914-15. So to not only be better, we've essentially doubled that um, with a couple of games to go as well. Um, And also the fact that we've now kept 20 league clean sheets for the season, which I think is the joint third most in the club's history. Um, I think... Uh, we're now equal with yeah equal with the 2015-16 season and um, yeah the record's 22 clean sheets for the season so um, yeah. you know we, we sort of talked I think it was I think it was with you last week we sort of talked about obviously you know first goal primarily is to, to secure automatic promotion then you know you've got the title as well to focus on but there's all these other records as well that that should keep the players focused and driven for the rest of the season re- regardless of what's happening with the sides around us we just need to 
um, keep this, this level of performance going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think building off uh, with the stats that Rick uh, said the and the records, I think the other one that I saw was uh, City have, are now tied in the country for the most uh, victories of uh, three new wins. And I think uh, we're in great company, but I think only Manchester City. Uh, so I think right. we both with with eight wins at um, eight wins at three nil or more, uh, which is an incredible achievement when you consider you know what it is to uh, to go away. And as you said, a lot of those victories have come away from home uh, to go and put put three goals on an opposition and uh, and keep them scoreless. So you know it's a, it's a really exciting time. And yeah, the, the at the end of the day, we're we're so used to watching City uh, be this colossus at home and and really relishing playing at the KCON, but. What we've seen this year has, or this season, I should say, has, has just been fantastic, and uh, we've got you know every uh, every element of of excitement going into this uh, this final few fixtures, knowing that the ones away from home aren't uh, you know incredibly daunting because we we do have the the right to be confident when we when we travel. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know, friend of the podcast, Mike, in our in our chat was sort of saying. Um, you know, these comparisons of City to other divisions isn't really reasonable because we're in, you know, we're just in League One. And this idea that, you know, it's natural that we're beating up on these sides and, and should be so much better than them. But I, I mean, I sort of push back on that a little bit because you just have to remember going into this season that we were sort of saying, look, mid-table, upper half table would be a good finish for us. Our spirits were completely broken from that championship season. We had no idea what the squad was going to be like. You know, you look at a Sunderland, you look at Ipswich, you look at Leeds for a number of years, you look at Blackburn, all these sites, Wolves, all these sites that spent multiple seasons in League One before bouncing back. It's not it's not an easy division to get out of. And yes, we're making light work of it, but that's not to underplay the achievement of what we've done. Um, and I think, you know, comparative to, you know, we, we've got to compare our performances against the other leagues to show that Norwich in the championship, for instance, are comparable in a number of the stats, but we're better than them in, in a few of the stats. And they're similarly walking the championship. City having a very strong season in the um, Premier League as well. Um, the, these are clubs that we can compare to in terms of um, where we're relatively doing as well or better than them in a number of facets in, in our division. Yeah, and certainly, and I guess you've just got to look at the teams that we've lost to in this division to kind of drive that point home. We haven't always had huge issues coming up against the the league leaders or our fellow, uh, you know, fellow top uh, table uh, company. But uh, the teams down the bottom, we've we've lost to Swindon, we've lost to uh, you know relegation threatened teams, and that's kind of been the downfall. I mean, if we were to take those victories away or those those losses away, sorry, um, you know, we walk this league in and. Mm. and it, I think it probably speaks to the integrity of the competition. And you look at, you know, a team like Blackpool at the moment who are who are flying. I mean, that that again is a, is a team with a, a similar, uh, you know, story from us in in recent years. And and only now are they really starting to to find their feet in this in this league as well. So, yeah, I, I think that one thing we have learned about this season, regardless of what happens, is the integrity of League One is is as strong and as difficult as as perhaps some of the other. Uh, tears in English football, and um, and that's that's a credit to the league. Definitely. Well, let's let's talk about the game itself. Um, three goals, uh, all, all brilliantly taken, really. I mean, the Lewis Potter opener, tenth um, minute or something like that, very early in the game, really sort of showed our intent from the start. We had a number of chances early on as well, um, and then two goals in the second half from Magennis and Doherty. Um, Doherty's goal in particular. I mean, he he basically picked the ball up on our what uh, right flank, uh, drove drove towards goal 
passed it off to, I think it was Honeyman and then uh, uh, Lewis Potter and then got the ball back and, and slotted it in. Um, he, he's having a fantastic second half of the season and actually, to be fair, a, a fantastic season in general. I, I know we sort of repeated ourselves a lot in that first half of the season to sort of say he was taking a lot of ch- shots, having a lot of chances, and once the goal came, it would sort of open the floodgates and he'd get a lot more, and, and that's certainly been the case. And, um, yeah, it, yeah, he had, it had a terrific game. Yeah, he certainly did. And uh, I mean, that midfield has been, I, I guess the it's debatable because we've talked about our attack force, uh, you know, so much this season. And we've talked about our front three and I guess the goal return that, that all of them have had and how crucial that's been. But I still believe that the strength of, of, of City this season has has been the midfield. If you look at Honeyman and if you look at, at Doherty, as you mentioned, even a player like Regan Slater, who's, who's found his way into the picture more recently, uh, it's just it's been so reliable, and uh, you know, whilst whilst not a not a perfect uh, midfield, it's it, it has been one that has been a real working class, um, you know, delight to see, and uh, it, it's provided those opportunities for our wingbacks to get forward. And you just you're kind of concerned about how much of a threat we are. We we can hurt teams from from nearly everywhere now, and and you know that's something that we're not used to saying as City fans. Yeah, definitely, and then Lewis Potter continuing on his great form with a goal and an assist. Uh, he's finishing the season really strongly. I mean, interestingly, a player that we haven't talked about as much lately, I mean, he did score the goal against uh, Crew in Wilkes. I mean, he's had a couple of quieter games lately. But um, as you say, it's a testament to the team that we're still a dangerous force from anywhere on the pitch and that if a guy is going through a lull in form, we do have the other players who are going to pick up the slack and, and get the goals for the team. Well, and I think it was uh, earlier in the week as well, there was the announcement of, of George Honeyman getting the, the, yeah. the league one uh, player's player. Uh, and I, I guess that, you know, we've we've been big fans of Honeyman on, on the podcast and sung his praises this season. But again, before before that, we, we weren't exactly what you would call the most uh, enthusiastic Honeyman believers. So yeah. uh, it really has been a, a season of, of sorts with, you know, the, the individual performance. And like you said, you can kind of, you can look around the pitch and there's players like Wilkes who have got, you know, massive goal returns. Doherty, as you mentioned, that's played his way in. And Honeyman, who seems to be in the 3-2-1s every week. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot to celebrate. And I guess we're we're really grateful. And when you break it down like that, it's it's not hard to see why we find ourselves, you know, leading the league with, with five fixtures remaining. Um, and an interesting figure who was present at the game um, was Richie Smallwood, who I believe was sort of involved in in doing sort of exercises and warm-ups and things like that and sort of just being around the squad again. Um, and there's a suggestion that he could be in the squad potentially or just around the team for the Fleetwood or Sunderland games. Um, you sort of talked about there the fact that that central three are so strong and, and you know, Slater's come into his own. We've got Alfie Jones in defence who'd also push back into there if Burke was available. Um Smallwood's an interesting one. Where, where do you see Smallwood fitting back into the squad, both at the end of this season and then looking ahead to, to next season, presumably in the championship? Look, I, I have great fears for, for Richie Smallwood, and that's and that's not a, a discredit to, to him at all because I thought that, you know, he still had a, a significant role earlier in the season and, you know, he's, uh, walked into the to the side and was, you know, uh, given the, the cub captain role and he's he's been a, a huge performer, but... I, I just think it's it's really hard to to find a way back in at, at this point in time with the way that the other other midfielders are playing and uh, you know if he is to to play any role I think it will be from the bench and it will probably be in any of the kind of 
later-ish performances, like coming on maybe the 70th minute or so when when or if uh, games are sewn up. And, um, yeah, other, otherwise, I, I think it would be really interesting to see him feature again between now and the, the end of the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, moving beyond that uh, is to the second part of your question. I, I I really don't know. I'd be surprised to to see if we would continue, uh, you know, a contract with him if if we did move up to the championship. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not looking great for Richie Smallwood at, at this point in time. But you know, anything can happen. The injuries. Uh, it's great to have him back fit and and knowing that he's you know at that point in his in his return. Um, we do look forward to seeing him if that time comes. But on form alone, he's he's going to find it very t- uh, very tough to get back into that squad. Yeah, I mean, look, he he reminds me a little bit of um, of Jack Hobbs as sort of a flashback to, to yeah. Jack Hobbs' time at City um, in in that promotion season under Bruce, where he was a real fan favourite and and a sort of mainstay of that centre back spot. Um, and it was a really, it felt at the time a really harsh decision to move him on. And um, of course, we brought in Curtis Davies in his place, and and you know, sort of the rest is history. But it, it feels that way somewhat with Smallwood, where he seems, and you know, you even look at his time at Blackburn, and he was a real force for them in the in their League One promotion campaign, and then didn't really feature in Championship. I, I believe probably partly to do with injuries as well as form. Um, but he seems that sort of upper half of League One. Uh, club captain, you know, backbone of the side sort of player, which is great, and that's definitely what you need. It's a question of if you know if he's if he's willing to just accept a role as a squad player for us next season and to be that presence and that older older head. Because to be frank, our squad is quite young, and I was actually really positive about that signing of Smallwood, regardless of any sort of perspective on performances or quality. It's just having that older player in the squad is a really um, interesting option to have. Um, I tweeted something out the other day as well about, you know, we're sort of looking ahead a little bit here to uh, to what ifs, but James Chester, you know, we're talking about fan favourite centre-backs, um, needing an experienced head in the squad, uh, out of contract in the summer with Stoke. There, there's options there that, you know, if we were to move Smallwood on, whether we do try to bring in someone else who's sort of that experienced head who can galvanise that younger squad. And and I think that's, that's what real, was really lacking last season when we went down was that there was no real experienced head in the squad to sort of calm the nerves and regather the players and, and, and sort of reset the um, emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as we talked about briefly last week too, with uh, Callum Elder and his, uh, you know, response to how he feels the dressing room is at the moment. And he, he believes that it's the most galvanized that he's experienced it in his time at city. And I think that, you know, players like Smallwood are exactly the reason that, you know, we're, we're able to talk about it in, in that manner. And, to see the, I guess, the joy and, and confidence that the players are playing with. I, I think a lot has to be said for players like Honeyman and Smallwood, who I assume being the, you know, I guess the veterans of of the team have, have been able to bring back that feel in the dressing room and, and the leadership on on the pitch. So, yeah, I agree. I think having having him there is great for, um, you know, just the peripheral uh, things that do happen in the squad. And I'm sure he's a, you know, a colossus at training and, and whatever else, but... Yeah, I agree. That was it was the right signing at the time. Whether he is, uh, you know, the, part of the plans moving forward, that will depend on a lot of other variables. Uh, you know, yeah. what what kind of if we do, you go up to the championship. What kind of intent will be shown from the owners? Uh, mm. Who will the owners be? Uh, so many things like that that would be really hard to to comment on at this point in time. Uh, at the moment, as, as cliche as it sounds, we just have to worry about these next five games and then 
you know, I suspect that the contract issues with the with a yeah. Richie forward or player of the like will, you know, will sort themselves out. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and it should be said as well, you know, Magenis is another one of those experienced players in the squad. Um, so it is good to have a couple of those around as well. Um, so my my MVP votes for this game, uh, you know, sort of already talked about him a bit, is um, the three votes going to Doherty for his performance. I thought he was fantastic running that midfield um, and alongside him, partner in crime. And, and as you say, in the three two ones, just about every week, I've gone two for Honeyman. Uh, another fantastic performance from him. Um, just gets it done every single game. He's you know, Mr. Reliable in our side. Uh, and then the one vote for KLP just for his goal and assist. Um, real strong attacking force, attacking presence all through the game um, and really kept the opposition on their toes. So um, seemed a pretty straightforward 3-2-1 for me. Yeah, I, I can't really argue with any any of that. I would have to agree with uh, with Doherty for three and Honeyman for two. I mean, KLP was was good uh, with, without being uh, amazing. I thought that there's probably another case for for Louis Coyle who could have snuck in and got that one point. But um, yeah, overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. And I thought that it was it was a very encouraging performance. On as we mentioned before uh, before the trip to Plymouth, it was going to be a tough game uh, given their record on their home patch. But uh, we were more than equal to the task, and it was a, a great result. Absolutely. Well, um, I'll bring up now the table as it stands and, and opposition watch as we've sort of started to do each episode. And look, it was a it was a significant set of results on the weekend as well with um, Sunderland dropping the game against uh, Charlton going down 2-1 in that one. Peterborough did get the win um, uh, against, uh, who were they playing? They were playing uh, Swindon. So they, they did pick up the win in that one. But um, um, overall, look, you know, I mean, at the moment, I think the focus is just on Sunderland and, and getting enough of a break between them and us, ourselves. Um, and I think probably the most significant was that loss to Wigan uh, yesterday morning. I think that was the one that, you know, you could kind of understand the loss to Charlton, um, decent side pushing for the top six, but that loss to Wigan really sort of starts to set the nerves in for the Sunderland faithful. Um, and, you know, one of one of our own, Will Kane, getting the equaliser in that game as well. So um, a terrific effort from him. But uh, table's really starting to open up a bit. So what are you making of it? Yeah, I actually was uh, lucky enough to, to be on holidays at the moment and I got up for the 3am the kickoff with uh, with the Sunderland-Wigan game and it was a, a very interesting game to watch. I think that uh, Sunderland started started strongly, but then they really looked to, to fade and, and be out of ideas. And uh, I tell you what, it wasn't a great Wigan side. Um, I guess with with respect to Wigan, they are fighting for their season and uh, and their life in League One, so to speak. But Sunderland really, to me, looked very tired and um, and off the pace, uh, particularly as the game grew on. And, uh, you know, I guess that we've talked about it, playing those games thick and fast. I think that it's, it's really helped City, the fact that we've been able to get a little bit, uh, you know, fresh in the legs, so to speak, the last few weeks. But those games in hand have, have really caused, um, you know, Sunderland some issues. And the I, I, I know that we've talked about League One being a, a, a tough league and it doesn't really matter who you're playing. It's a it's a challenge each week. But you would have to think that with with the, the two back-to-back losses for Sunderland, um, you know, there's it's going to take a lot for them with their run home to, to rally and, um, you know, and beat Blackpool of nonetheless who they play twice in the next uh, – in the next six games, so they've got a lot of a lot of rebuilding if they're to uh, to close that gap between uh, certainly Peterborough, but but us as well. Yeah, and look, we sort of talk a little bit about the players and nerves, and I think I, I think the game coming up against Fleetwood, which we may as well talk about all these games in in combination. Um, game coming up against Fleetwood, I think will be 
um, the easier of the two games that we've got coming up this week because I think the game against Sunderland, the 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 sort of implications of that game, it can go in so many different directions. Um, I think the maths is basically that if Lincoln drops points on the weekend or on, on Wednesday morning and if uh, Blackpool and Sunderland draw, then a win against Sunderland would have us go up. And, you know, that's yes, that's a lot of ifs, um, but, but we are getting to that point of the season where securing automatic promotion is becoming really tangible and within two or you know one or two games or two or three games of results away from us um of course losing to Sunderland throws everything back open again so I think it'll be very interesting to see how we attack that game or how we approach that game and um you you couldn't fault the players from going out and and really attacking that game because of the confidence in the squad and how we've played this season but at the same time if there are a few nerves that set in and that fear that you know, it's better to draw than to lose and, and, and how that mentality sort of starts to impact the players could be really interesting to see. Oh, absolutely. And I, let's not forget that a couple of, uh, well, a, a short week ago when we versed our crew and in the in the final moments of, of that game before Wilkes' goal, the, the equation looked extremely different. I mean, in that time, we've had Sunderland have back-to-back losses. And I, I believe that the last time that City experienced back-to-back losses would have been in December. Uh, but... Mm. Considering considering all those uh, those variables, if if again Sunderland were to win and, and we lost, if 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 this weekend um, you know we we go down to Fleetwood and then were to lose to Sunderland, then straight away uh, you know with three games to go, the the gap in is only two points and puts yeah. us in an incredibly precarious situation. So I I think it's a, a case of as you mentioned, not counting our chickens before we had they hatch. Sorry. But um, really targeting that if 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 City get three points against Fleetwood this weekend and uh you know and Sunderland don't take all three, I think there will be a a very very strong case to you know to say that we're up and it will put a huge onus on that fixture against Sunderland next week, which already is uh, is a, a fixture that's been circled and we know how crucial it's going to be. Uh, but you know ultimately that could be the the penultimate game that that does secure City's uh, return to the championship. Well, we, we've sort of penciled in the following weekend's game against Lincoln as the uh, the Cheers fix, fixture. And, of course, the uh, Fleetwood game's now been moved to 12.30 UK time, which is 9.30 our time, uh, because of Prince Philip's funeral. So um, I think a few of us are going to try and get to Cheers this weekend as well. Um, you know, it, in a very selfish manner, you know, as an Australian, it would be a little bit of an anticlimax if automatic promotion was secured against Sunderland. Um, I think I think though at least the probability is that it, that a win against Lincoln's going to secure it um, at this stage, um, pending everything going our way. But look, as you say, it's going to be really fascinating that I think this next seven days, these two games, I you know so much can come out of it. Either essentially having automatic promotion secured or having the automatic race tightened right back up again, as you say. Um, I think one of, one of it, it's going to go either of those two ways and uh, it's going to be really, I think this is sort of the, the decisive week in, in a lot of ways for how the season's going to finish off. Yeah, I th- as you mentioned, it's, it, it is the most crucial week, I would say, in the, in the story of the season so far. I think the, the twists and turns that we're likely to see in the next uh, seven days will be uh, ultimately what decides the, the fate of, of this League One season. Yeah, and I think at the same time, uh, the, so so Peterborough have Northampton, and as you said, Sunderland have um, have Blackpool, um, and then midweek when we play Sunderland, I think Peterborough have got Gillingham. So, uh, without writing those results in too quickly, as we say, anything can happen. But you'd sort of suspect that that's going to be at least four points for Peterborough out of those two games. So, um, 
you know, it, it is going to mean that Peterborough stay quite close to us and it's going to make it quite difficult to, to, to get uh, a sense of how that's going to play out towards the end of the season. But um, I, I guess at the moment all focus is on third and, to be honest, fourth as well. I mean, Lincoln is sort of the forgotten side there and they've just picked up a pretty good 4-0 win, I think it was, against MK Dons. So I think mathematically they can still finish on uh, 84 points, I think it is. So uh, they haven't quite quite gone away yet. Uh, sorry, 87 points. So, yeah, they haven't quite gone away yet. So, um, yeah, still all to play for with a number of those sides. But I think a week from now we're going to have a much better picture of how it's going to finish up. Yeah, and I guess the, the interesting thing is looking at Peterborough's run home as well is they, they have some incredibly tricky fixtures uh, themselves that, uh, I mean, it's it's surprising just looking at that the ladder to see how far down uh, Doncaster have fallen given the fact yeah. that they were a real threat. Yeah, uh, you know, I was going to uh, say. If you look at them on the form guide, they've they've lost their last five um they, they still do have a game in hand, but I mean, you'd almost you'd almost gr- cross them straight out of the the playoff picture, which um, you know is incredible to think of, considering how much they were flying. Um, and Peterborough play them twice. They've also got uh, they host Lincoln, they uh, away to Charlton. There's some really crucial games for them that um, you know will will create uh, you know a, a difficult challenge. So. Yeah, I think that uh, much like most of the city fans and and yourself is the first priority is obviously uh, promotion, and then uh, you know if a, if a league title is something and uh, that can be then be claimed, well then by all means we'll take it, and I'm sure we'll enjoy it greatly. But uh, at this stage, it's it's just about getting that second spot locked down, and then um, and then seeing what happens from there. Absolutely. And so we've got uh, Fleetwood first of the two, um, who we've already played a couple of times this season. Um, first of all, managed by Joey Barton and, and now more recently by, um, I had the name in my head before, but um, Dan Batty's obviously there, um, who we know quite well. Simon Grayson's the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Batty's there now, who we know quite well. Um, and it's a sort of a sense that I guess, you know, Will Keane's done us a favour, Nigel Adkins done us a favour, you know, we'll. Dan Batty indirectly sort of do us a favour and we can hopefully get the three points against Fleetwood and uh, and move on to that Sunderland game. But, um, look, uh, it's a pretty easy question to answer, I suspect, but no changes to the side. I mean, we're sort of flying at the moment and uh, you wouldn't really want to rock the boat. No, absolutely. I think, you know, you look at that, the form guide and, and we are the, the form team or I think equal on form uh, for the last uh, five games. So, uh, there's no reason why we need to, to change anything unless there's, you know, injuries or any uh, any concerns over that. Perhaps McCann might be thinking of, uh, of trying to get some minutes into Smallwood. I, we just don't know. I, I'd be a real surprise to see anything, anything uh, you know, eventuate as, as far as changes go. But, uh, you know, you just you just never know. That might be part of the tactics of, of changing things up a little bit. But just if, if we were uh, were to change too much, it would it would be a head scratcher. Particularly if the result didn't go our way, I think that you'd have some very aggressive fans. Given you know the formula seems to have been working incredibly successfully as of late. Yeah, and look, I mean, I guess the only potential gamble or, or way that you could look at it is whether we we sort of play around a bit for the Fleetwood game in order to to rest players or protect players for the Sunderland game. Um, but I think, you know, as you say, you sort of run the risk then of, of if something goes wrong and trying to get too cute with the formation and the lineup. I think we've, we've, we've had enough sort of seven-day gaps between games of um, rest so that I don't think the players would be too tired. I mean, I, 
presumably they'd be tired anyway just because it's towards the end of the season. But comparatively speaking, I think they'd be okay um, and should be all right just to run through the Fleetwood and the Sunderland games. And I think the adrenaline and the importance of that Sunderland game would, would get anyone up even if they've got a, a couple of niggles. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't really think there'd be any changes for the two games. I think, you know, arguably the only potential change that I could see would be Burke into the side and uh, Jones push back into midfield for Slater. But um, I'd be quite happy just to leave things the way they are, the way that the, way that the side's playing. Yeah, and, and I, I really do hope that in, in McCann's thinking that Fleetwood is the game that's targeted. I know that, as you said, the cliche is we just take one game at a time, but I really do hope City put all their eggs into the Fleetwood basket because I do believe that three points there in that fixture and then, you know, Sunderland potentially not taking all three points in their game is uh, is almost all but securing our, our fate. Mm. So I'm sure that's how we will approach the game and I, I hope that is the case. But to I know it's hard to, to kind of do things without having one eye on the Sunderland game, but ultimately um, if you can target that, that game and, and get the fixture you know, the right result, I think we're in an incredibly strong position. Yeah, and I was just going to check. So the Sunderland game, interestingly, no, so it's on at the same time. So they're both on at 9.30. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting start to the night. Peterborough actually are playing that morning at 4.45. So we'll already know their results. So any any drop points in that game as well uh, would certainly give us a boost heading into the Fleetwood game. Um, score prediction, um, so, you know, just going going with it. I'm probably just going to go with a 2-0 City win. It, it sounds like a, a, a standard result, doesn't it? Yeah. Know, City. I think this one's going to have a little bit more of a, a twist and turn in it. I just, okay. I feel like in the way that, that City have been travelling lately, it just, it seems too smooth. <laughs> too too good? Yeah, it's too good. I'm, I'm, I'm eerily cautious. So I, I, I suspect that Fleetwood will probably score and I think it's, I'm more leaning towards a, a 2-1 and still hoping we get the result, but uh, they're, they're going to be a very tough, tough fixture for us. And I, I really do, you know, hope to see the right result go away, but I just, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly cautious. Yeah, I mean, I probably see the Fleetwood game going our way, but I, I have a sick feeling in my stomach that as you're sort of saying, the typical city will will rear its head probably in that Sunderland game. It's it's always Sunderland, you know, you think back to our Premier League days, it was always Sunderland who we'd, you know, be going up against it. I think it was under Marco Silva. Was it was really our last chance to stay in the Premier League was against Sunderland and um, and got knocked off. Um, and you just feel like a result's coming there that's going to, you know, it, it promotion never seems to go smoothly for a side. And and there's always one final twist in the tail. And I think a Sunderland one nil win against us would unfortunately sort of fit the narrative a bit in terms of uh, drawing out the battle a few more weeks and potentially to the final day. And look, I hope it's not the case. Um, and especially I'd hope it's not McGeady who scores a goal because I'm sure the Sunderland fans would let us know all about it. But, um, yeah, I think that Sunderland game is going to be a real, uh, really interesting fixture. Yeah, and, but again, equally speaking, I, I look at the Sunderland run home and just count our lucky stars that we don't have to play Blackpool twice. I think that yeah. if you're a Sunderland fan and you're, you're running your eyes across the fixtures on the, on the back of a, a back-to-back loss that would not fill you with hope knowing that you play the league leaders away and then you have to travel to Blackpool and host them. I think that that's a, an incredibly difficult equation and, you know, something that can give us some level of comfort. But, but as we say, as, as City fans, I, I don't think that the word comfort is, uh, is really in our vocabulary. 
We've got DJ Campbell saying we're going up, lads. And um, yeah, look, I, I share the optimism. I share the I share the belief. I, I do think I do think we're going to do it. I think it would be even beyond City to to mess things up that badly from here. But you know, Alex, you never know. You can't curse it. You can't. You can't. You can't uh, yes, I know. I know. I know. I shouldn't say that because um, I'm sure th- those words will come back to haunt me. But um, Look, yeah, I think with Sunderland, it's interesting. I think those Blackpool games will be really daunting for them, and I and I think that's the games where they're likely to slip up. But I almost wonder if the mentality of the squad would be because there'd be so much on that City game that if they got the three points against us, it, it's it's a, it's a six pointer. Um, you know, we often talk about six pointers for relegation battles, but it's a six pointer for promotion. Where for them, beating us means that we 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 gain zero points for the weekend and they gain three. And so they're suddenly three points closer to us. Um, Mm. It's a big, big sort of carrot for them to get a result in that game and a big motivation for them to get a result in that game. So ironically, I could probably see them losing both games to Blackpool, still out of the running for automatic promotion, but still somehow getting the three points against us. Uh, I, I, I tend to lean the other way. I actually feel a lot more confident about our fixture with Sunderland than I do with our Fleetwood game. But I've... I don't know if that's just something that has kind of stuck with me this season as we've seemed to drop points against the, the games that we technically should win. So, uh, yeah. look, I, I'm hopeful of the, the Sunderland victory. I think the players will really relish Sunderland visiting the KCOM, and I, I think we'll be more than equal to that task. I, from what I watched with Sunderland the other day, they looked like a, a very tight and weary side. And, you know, obviously that'll be a fixture they will want to get up for, but I, I think so will we. And, I'm very confident of the the Sunderland game, but Saturday evening at uh, with Fleetwood that is that is still an edgy one. Um, you know, going by Dan's logic, that generally speaking, sides that we beat in the first half of the season we lost to, and sides that we lost to we then beat. Uh, we did lose to Fleetwood four one in the league in our first encounter with them. So uh, who knows? That could be a good omen for us as well to get the win in that one. Um, but, you know, look, I think that just about rounds things up. I, I, I think it's, as we've said a few times now, I think it's going to be a massive week for City um, and, and going a lot, long way to, to deciding our fate for the season, I think, in these two fixtures. Yeah, absolutely. Massive week of football. All to play for. It's going to be exciting. And hopefully, hopefully next podcast we're talking about the, the spoils of, of championship football again. Absolutely. Well, well, thanks for joining me for this one, Logan. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. No worries. Good to chat. Uh, and hopefully, as Logan says, hopefully uh, next time we'll be back to, to preview that Lincoln game, which if not uh, sort of celebrating the automatic promotion would certainly be securing it. So come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Going higher and higher There's no turning